0: Hey, Queeros. Cammie here. Happy Labor Day. And if you live in Burlington, Vermont, I will be in your city this weekend, the 5th through the 7th, doing stand-up comedy. You can get tickets at CameronEsposito.com slash tour. Also, if you live in Los Angeles, I'm doing a new monthly show. Every month I will be at the Dynasty Typewriter. It might just be called Dynasty Typewriter, and I might have just old-personed myself by adding an article. Uh, I don't know that I need the... uh, I will see you at Dynasty Typewriter or The Dynasty Typewriter next on September 21st. Then after that, I will be in Raleigh for a couple nights doing shows at a club there. That's at the end of September the 27th through the 28th. That's just two days. I could have said the 27th and 28th. Look, all of that information can come. can come. All of that information is available at CameronEsposito.com slash tour. Please come see me do stand-up comedy in your city. I swear... I'm extremely funny, and this is something that I didn't—I didn't know this would ever happen. I didn't know there would be people who would know me from the podcast and not through stand-up. Like I just thought people from that knew me through stand-up would find the podcast, but now it's been happening where there's a lot of folks that come up to after shows and they go, "Wow, you actually are like kind of good at your job and everything, and funny um, because you're so serious on the show." And to you, I say, "Yes, serious guy Cammy here on Query, funny guy Cammy there." doing stand-up we got another new episode this week this is with brendan scannell he is a comic actor and dude about town and on the rise here in los angeles love this chat and if you don't know brendan now you do i've been feeling wrong but i'm still holding on darling i know i know i know it's careless i always have guests introduce themselves will you introduce yourself
1: Hi, um, so happy to be here. My name is Brendan Scannell, and um, what else should I say?
0: Yeah, see, that's the that's it's like a you know raw shark or whatever. How the mm-hmm. heck do you say that? Raw Ra- Ra-sh-
1: shark. Ra- that one. No, I don't think that's right. it's a raw shark. <laughs> it's a
0: bit of sushi and um, illegal. Right. Um, it's a bit of illegal sushi. It's uh, yeah. You're just supposed to say whatever you know you want to say. Great. Supposed.
1: Um, I guess. Um, I'm on this Netflix show called Bonding. Yes. That's a fun BDSM romp, and um, I'm a stand up comedian. And then I did this show last year that was like this reboot of Heathers, which was very fun. And uh, those are my creds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Indiana originally. Oh, I
0: didn't know that. Um, Where are you from?
1: I'm from Valparaiso, Indiana. Sure. It's like this kind of, it's a college town. I
0: mean, I know, I'm from Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Or like rather the suburbs of Chicago. But okay. of course I know, I mean, I like people that went, Valpo, to, yeah. Yeah, people Wait, people that went to Valpo. Yeah. Which suburb are you from? I am from Western Springs.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Really? Um, really, an yeah. you know, offshore? Yeah, I am from. Well, I'm. I was born in Beverly on the South Side.
0: Oh, uh, literally, swam against you as a child.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs>
0: your team is the River Rats.
1: I believe that. And then when we, I was five, um, like I'm from this really big Irish Catholic family. My mom's one of ten. My dad's one of six. And so to get out of this like six blocks neighborhood where my whole family lived, my parents moved an hour to Indiana. And my grandmother was like, why are you taking my daughter wow.
0: away? <laughs> so specifically because it was just like, we, we are the ones who aren't going to live on this block or whatever.
1: It was like kind of my, my parents' generations were the generation that like slowly started moving out to like, you know, Oak Park and various oh, places. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. my mom's an English professor. And so we ended up in, and my dad just works in like banking. And he so so we ended she up taught at, Valpo. at Valparaiso? At Valpo, yeah. Until, like, last week, basically. She would just retire.
0: Wow, congrats to her yeah. from Mom.
1: us. <laughs> from us, Nancy.
0: Did you go to that school?
1: No, I didn't. I went to Northwestern, Chicago. I've also. heard of it. It's the spot. Yeah.
0: yeah. Evanston. Did you – was that a difficult decision to make? Like, did would you have – I have no idea how this works. If your parent works at a, a college, do you get, like, a big deal?
1: Um, uh, I think it's, like, free, basically. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. So
0: instead –
1: Instead, you I was. Really school. went to a really expensive school. school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they
1: were like, "Okay, um, no, they never really pressured us to do that." I think that um, the idea of like staying in Valpo and going to college there was not really in the cards, and they never forced any of their kids. To, I'm one of five to do that. So,
0: why was that? That it wasn't in the cards to stay there?
1: Um, I think. I mean, personally, I think we all just wanted to go have different experiences. And in some ways, I think because we all moved there when we were kids, we never had this sense that maybe some other people I grew up with did that, like, that was going to be the final landing spot. Like, my parents don't live there anymore. They, like, um, live on Lake Michigan now. And so Valpa always kind of felt like this temporary stop.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that makes a complete amount of – that's how I always felt it in my body. That's a really
0: interesting, I guess, you know, way to grow up. I mean, I know there are lots of people who grow up like that, like where they're – because I feel like –
1: Were you born and raised in Western Springs?
0: My folks have – yeah. My folks have, like, lived in the same house for, you know, 30-whatever years. And then it's the kind of thing where at the end of the block, a person who's, like, our generation or whatever bought their parents' house but then tore it down – Oh. And then saved the bricks and then rebuilt a new house with the same bricks. And that was like Mood the most like extreme, you know, that was like, holy shit, this kid is striking out on their own. You know, like yeah. it's like they live in the same house or they live, in, <laughs> they live in a different house made of the same bricks. Not the same house made of the same bricks. You so know? is it
1: wild that you're out here? Is that just yes. like completely?
0: Yeah, for my family too because I... When I lived in Chicago, like as an adult, downtown, yeah, um, my siblings and I lived on the same block. So kind of actually trying to create what you're talking Interesting. about. My parents both have siblings who live in the Chicagoland area. And like, that's not where my mom's from, but another one of her siblings moved there. They have kids. So yeah. it feels like that. And my my grandparents on my dad's side- Or from like Little Italy, you know, and then my dad's from Cicero and stuff. So it's a very like
1: Cicero, yeah. You know. I have that with my cousins. I have so many cousins on both sides and they're kind of like creating these new communities of like cousins and family in Chicago and it's weird to just not really be a part of that. And I went back, and I went back for the Fourth of July, and saw a bunch of them. And um, I did like some stand up, and a bunch of them came to the shows, did like Chicago Underground and stuff like I that. I was just going to ask you where yeah. you pre-
0: where you performed. Wow, is it still at the Beat Kitchen? It's That's where it is Kitchen. on Tuesday nights.
1: So great, yeah. Always such a great. I There's crowd. a cast member there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I love that spot. I try every time I go back. I I like to do it if I'm on there on a Tuesday and it works yeah, out. It's a great show. Yeah, and there's just I love Chicago audiences. They're so like, um, they're like comedy going audiences. So they're really with it, but they also I think aren't don't feel like jaded in any sort of way. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean know, it's they're very like Midwestern. They want you right. to succeed,
0: right? I mean it's definitely also like a city that um, is showing up to see comedy as like art, but also as fun, like equal amounts. Of those things?
1: Yeah, it doesn't really feel necessarily have... like... Sometimes in LA, it feels a bit like, and then what else is this person really up to? Or right. like, in a way where you're like, actually, this is what I'm doing a lot of nights a week and <gasps> killing myself to do, but uh, there's no pitch. Did <laughs> you
0: Did you start... Where did you start?
1: I, I started out here. Uh, I moved here six years ago, and um, then, yeah, started at Echoes Under Sunset. Sure. The spot. It's now... A, it's clothed, not like a thing. Clothing store yeah. or something. Or a training mate, like, workout facility.
0: To start doing stand-up in this city seems difficult because it isn't necessarily a place that... I've always, Whenever I interact with comics who started here, it, it always seems tough to me because it's... I don't know. This isn't, like, a nightlife city, just yeah. in general. I don't think. I think it's, like, a an earlier-in-a-daytime city. Like, because people... Usually, most places when they work during the day, they go out at night. But this is like a weird flexible day time hours city. So, yeah.
1: so people are like, "I was out all day. I'm coming <laughs> I in go for out. the evening." Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's it's an interesting place to because you're like up against someone's home, like like yeah. you are performing on a split screen next to their
1: all of their belongings and their comfortable yeah. couch or whatever <laughs> or their shitty couch. I think what I liked and I what was weird about starting here I may that might have been different in Chicago, I suppose, was you could just see everybody, like, for free at coffee shops, you know? Like, I you could mean, go, like, s- the like biggest comment. names? Like, I could yeah. go see Maria. I could just check Maria Bamford's Twitter and see her, like, three times a week for $5 at, like, you know, a coffee shop in Pasadena yeah, that is and amazing. stuff like that. And um, so that was very cool. Um, and, uh but I wondered if if my style would be different if I had started somewhere else. And also I act. So the stand-up was always like in service of acting for me. So I think the fact that I had like a couple of different things going on worked out for me here.
0: I think what you're talking about, stand-up in service of acting, is exactly why this was like the right place for you or whatever. Yeah, Because I – yeah, I think that's like a really reasonable, rad thing to do. And I think like – other places. Chicago, it's kind of the expectation is if you're doing anything else, like literally like eating, having a partner or like a, a, like fuck you. Like fuck <laughs> you if you're doing any like are you doing improv? Like, okay, maybe you get a pass if you're like really good. But mm-hmm. don't even do the other comedies. It's like you have to have this like oh yeah very laser focus on stand up. That I just don't I don't find people here have that same expectation of themselves yeah. or others.
1: I mean, everyone in L.A. is so, like, whatever you want, man. Like, this <laughs> is such a yeah. city of um, kind of, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you do your thing, I suppose. And I remember when I was in Chicago, when I went to Northwestern, I was doing improv. Like, I was on a t- Herald team at I.O. and stuff like that. And I definitely felt, like, the separation, I suppose, between, like, sketch and improv and then stand-up and mm-hmm. – um but i don't know i'd be interested to see if that's like breaking down more and more
0: yeah i don't know i mean when i go back it seems like it is the same same <laughs> old guy but not in a bad way i really liked starting there but it just it's like a it's a different uh training round yeah so you and
1: you moved- were there with like Joel right can booster
0: Girl, and don't the, even.
1: And the Putterboss Sisters. I think I saw you at a show at Akbar. Um, were, I wasn't
0: there with Joel. I'm a couple. I'm a generation older than him, and he started in a room skin. that I ran.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, there you go.
0: Yeah. Um, I do. Thank you for saying a great skin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, but yes, I I saw Joel do the first sets he ever did, which is awesome. Cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It's really cool to get a chance to. I don't know, like, I guess I just, I don't know if when I started stand-up, if I thought for some reason, like, more people would enter from the sides. Like, I just, I just, I didn't realize, like, the people that you see, you know, you'll know them 10 years ago, and you'll have seen them the whole time. It's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's been. Or 10 years from now. It's been only five for me, but it is, it. It's like when I started, everybody who was even like six months older than or more into it than me, I was like, they've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't realize that, you know, like Danielle Perez and I basically started like the same week. But I was like, well, she's here doing Mike. So she must have been doing this forever. <laughs> <laughs> like that sort of thing. Sure.
0: Yeah. How is it actually working as an actor? Like what? So you you got Heather's must've been
1: 2016. Yeah. Yeah, September. So
0: how long had you been here before that happened? Not very long. Um,
1: I'd been here for like almost exactly three years.
0: What were those three years like?
1: Um, I did a lot of commercials, which I think my red hair really helps for like brands are just like, look at this ginge. (laughs) Um, and so I, I did a lot of commercials and then I worked as a personal assistant.
0: What do people want a redhead to advertise? Like what um, kinds of products? It, you don't have to yeah. name them, but like genres of products.
1: I think like there's something about like I I just have like this kind of like stamiley like face and yeah. this like red hair and there's I think that like old people find me very comforting.
0: Oh no, I understand why you're <laughs> why. I, so what I, mean, I'm I did like is-
1: FedEx, Snapple, Blue Cross. I did like a thing uh, for Samsung, like I. I did this Sandy Hook PSA that was, like, really intense. I basically, like, lived off of commercials for, like, a year. The
0: Sandy Hook PSA that you did, what do you mean? What what was your—what was that?
1: It was, like, this PSA I did in, like, mid-2016 that um, was this organization called Sandy Hook Promise, and they are—it's uh, an organization that's, like, a gun um, control— I think they would— Let's call it like a gun um like violence awareness group founded by the um families of the victims of Sandy Hook. And so, so I did this. What was your
0: job in that?
1: I, I basically play like a teenager who's at a in this school and um he's kind of like having this back and forth writing relationship with like somebody you don't see. And then I meet her at the end and we kind of like have this moment of like, hey, nice to meet you. And then a school shooter enters and you know, kills us. Or or it's alluded to that we will. And then you kind of go back in this spot and you see like in the background of all the shots, there's like this other guy kind of like in the background displaying signs of violence. Um, I haven't talked about this in a while, but um, it came out in, in 2016. And that was the first thing I did where like my, everybody I went to high school saw it, like that kind of thing. Cause it went super viral on Facebook and um, it was on like CNN and 60 minutes and, and then every time there was a school shooting after that, it would go viral again, which was like very weird. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like one of the, um, the not strange, I mean, it was a really, um, enriching job and, and something I'm, I'm really proud of. But again, the, one of those things of like, you really just don't expect anything you do to what's going to happen with it.
0: Wow. Did you get either per, like personally either positive or negative attention for that or was it I mean like I mean I understand I understand people being like I saw you in this thing yeah but then was it ever linked to you
1: thankfully kind of no I mean in the positive sense I think that people who knew me or who know knew of me were like this is something that Brendan is in and um but I I probably only got like one or two like tweets because you know gun nuts are insane yeah, I'm, I'm
0: I'm, like, I started to get a little... uh,
1: Yeah. I definitely got a couple, like, you know, this is such bullshit, like, stop trying to take our guns, but it it was never really directed at me, and and then you think about, like, how intense those families have faced that from, like, the Alex Jones community, and, like, it's just so
0: fucked. From the Alex Jones community, but then, like, straight up anchors on Fox News. Like, I just mean, it's, like, it's weird because it... Not, it's weird, it's predictable or whatever, but it scales all the way to pretty fucking normative, you know? Yeah,
1: it's so wild. And I mean, I'm from, you know, Indiana. That's like, I was like, grew up around guns. Um, And uh, I just like, don't get it at all. Um, And yeah.
0: When you say you grew up around guns, did like like, kids you were in school with, or
1: yeah, just like people, people would like go shooting with their dads to like go to um, you know deer hunting things like that, or like go to swamps and just like shoot bottles. I'm trying to get the
0: timeline right, and maybe I'm. Was Pence the governor when you were there?
1: Um, He was there. He was governor after I went to school. Yeah, basically, like because he basically became. Governor, and he was a governor for like, I think, like under four years, and then was not going to get reelected and became right. our vice president. Right,
0: right, 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 right.
1: Yeah. But he right. Was I worst. feel like this um, I mean, administration like has, an, has
0: lasted forever. So I'm like, when you went to college 10 years ago, was Mike Pantheon or whatever, you know, how old you are?
1: Yeah. I mean, he like caused an HIV crisis in India. I
0: by know. Like,
1: he stopped like a needle exchange. And it's like, dude, like, come on.
0: And specifically by defunding Planned Parenthood.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's because like where it would happen. That was
0: where that was who was providing like a safe option. So it's it's the. But I was thinking about that also because of guns, and I, you know, because I'm from Chicago, I know that there's like a huge linkage uh, between Indiana guns and Chicago gun violence
1: because they just like buy them in Indiana. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. I, either folks buy them in Indiana, and bring them over, or like there's just like a there's a pipeline because the gun laws in Indiana are so relaxed. And so because there's so much gun violence in Chicago, there there's like an ever tightening set of laws. And then that's how like, for instance, our stupid president uses that to point out that law, like restrictions don't reduce violence because it's like, but Chicago are so restricted. and, And it's like, yeah, but Indiana's, Potentially forty-five minutes away, you know. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs>
1: it's right there, and so it's, it's extremely close. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I in, it, so I would say where I grew up was definitely like a suburb of Chicago. Sure, and that it's yeah, you know, it's not, there's a train that goes right in, and um, my dad like kind of worked in the city, but uh, or at least would go in a lot. But then you drive kind of like fifteen minutes, and yeah, you're like in the cornfields of it. Which has, like, you know, its own charm and then not charm. (laughs)
0: Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Farm communities, a lot of Amish people running around in, like, jean skirts.
0: So when you're, I mean, just to bring this back for a second, when you're, as an actor, trying to do a job like you just described, that seems like, especially because of who the client was. Yeah. That, like, it's not just, um, like, random the U.S. government, like, you know, uh, whatever it is It's, it's like an act- actually people who are affected
1: Oh yeah, it was like very moving
0: How did you Like um, deal with, I just feel like that seems like a lot Of, like what an honor And then also so much pressure You know, I think yeah. if I put myself in your shoes I feel like I would feel so pressured To like really, you know, get it right
1: Yeah, I mean I think that Luckily like the The script or the creative Felt really good and a lot of the people Involved with it were taking kind of like a flyer and doing it at like their minimums or whatever. Mm. Um, Like I think the guy who shot Deadpool shot it like, or something like crazy like that. And um, so I felt like I was in good hands and um, yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those, the weird thing about acting is you, you're really just like kind of a hired hand and you're the last thing inserted so late. It's Mm. what I love about it more like you know I write too and and everything takes so long. I mean you made a TV show. I'm sure it took years to even get to the point where you're like on set and yeah. then um but as but then you're casting like somebody who has a couple lines and they audition the day before and then they come in and they're like boop boop boop. <laughs> and it's like the best part of it is that you're just like on set 2 days from then. But um cuz that's the most difficult thing I struggle with is just the waiting of it all. Like everyone here is in a constant holding pattern.
0: Yeah. It's, ex- it's emotionally exhausting. I think yeah. to just like feel that you're a valuable person when you, because we, you know, live in a country where it's like your value is often tied to your work. And yeah. so if you actually can't work on a daily basis, cause that's not how the thing is structured. If you're paid in like lump sums that then last yeah. for the rest of the month. And it's, I think it's hard to feel that might sound amazing to someone that you right. know, has to, and to obviously I'm not saying like Oh, woe is me. But it is hard to feel important or like valuable as a human.
1: I think that's for me. I don't know if you feel this way. That's why I feel like stand up is so vital to not only like my creativity, but also like my just like daily schedule of like, okay, and I've got a show tonight. And it's so it's so it's such a gift
0: I almost never perform here in town anymore because I just – like I don't usually do um, shorter sets. Sure. And I'm just saying that because for me, stand-up is something I have to go to the airport to do. And at this point, I like – I dread that so much. Like I dread the – like going to the airport and I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to be alone. It's going to be lonely. And I'm going to, but then like I get on stage and I, it is like I, the speed with which I forget how much I did not want to come do this is, it's instantaneous. Yeah. It's like I I'm, I walk out on stage and the mic is in my hand and I'm just like, well, here I am doing the best thing in the world that I love the most. Right. And, you know, and it's.
1: I'll feel that like a moment before I go on where I'm like, the last thing I want to do is be on stage right yeah. now. And then you're on and you're like, hey, hey.
0: <laughs> I just, I can't believe that it, that this is what it looks like right now for me. Yeah. That it's like so I- much effort to do to go do it and it's still totally worth it every single time, but I forget every single time.
1: <laughs> You're right. I'm definitely still in like, you know, j- doing like shows in LA or in Chicago or New York whenever I'm there, kind of just, you know, 10, 15, that kind of that stuff. Because I used to
0: feel like it was part of my daily life in a way that it doesn't feel like it is anymore. And that, that was really nice. Because like, like we're talking about, it did actually always make me feel like I had like a purpose on a daily basis. Right. So now I'm just trying to figure out what that purpose is on a daily basis. Randomly, you know.
1: Uh, Many podcasts. Podcasts,
0: that's one thing. Or um, making plans with friends. Um,
1: Lunches. Going to the gym. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know. What a ridiculous problem to have. I'm fully aware of that.
1: Yeah. But sorry. But it's also your life, you know. It <laughs> is
0: my actual life,
1: yes. Yeah, yeah I don't – that road life seems tough. Um. My Friends who do it, it seems very lonely. You're alone, yeah,
0: yeah, it is really lonely. I mean, so it's being on set because you, you know, you have you're shooting something, but then in between, you're on your phone, potentially in your cordoned off area, yeah, like, completely by yourself. So, yeah, these are actually all, kind of all like really lonely jobs that yeah. I feel like nobody talks about that. But
1: what I like about set is, um. Like I just like talking to people and figuring out like where they're from and stuff, like mm. pas and stuff. I don't know. I'm kind of into that. I like small talk. You
0: like small talk?
1: Yeah, I like small talk. Well, like, you're
0: amazing. Who likes small talk?
1: I don't know. I'm like interested in where people are from or at least I'm interested in like the art of conversation.
0: Ah, the art
1: of conversation. Right? And it's, that's why I always get so, I feel like so many comics have so much anxiety. And I'm like, just like ask people how they're doing. Like it's not that complicated. Just <laughs> well, be like, have you read anything lately?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know that. I don't
1: <laughs> Like, hey, what are you watching? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what does your mom do? I desperately all.
0: I desperately <laughs> want to see. Uh, what I like just immediately moved to a place where you're a therapist, being like, I would be a therapist just, if I like, wasn't. Go ask people how they're doing. <laughs> Somebody's like, no, I feel like terminally anxious, and you're like, have you considered wondering if where the people around you are from.
1: I'm like so. When, I have yeah. I'm like very uh, Irish Catholic in that way. I mean, I'm not practicing at all, but it's like culturally, like my mom, my whole life was just like you're fine. And oh, so, wow, really? Yeah. When um, I often wasn't, but uh, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I feel about like. <laughs> and I have my and some of my siblings have like, you know, acute anxieties and um and are very like open and and it's really cool to watch and then uh, and then. Sometimes I'm like, you're fine. <laughs> I'm like my mom a lot that. Like feel that feel helpful?
0: Like Maybe. your mom saying that to you?
1: Like, I'd probably not. Like, would you I say mean, that
0: to a kid? I don't mean that – this isn't a judgmental thing. I'm just curious.
1: I don't know. I have like a, a niece who's terrific and then occasionally will like experience something that's tough. And I'm just like, get over it. Like, I think if I was a – I don't plan on being a parent, but if I do, I think I would – The patience element would be hard for me, just being like, but what if you don't talk and cry on the airplane?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess I think—
1: I would, like, teach my child to be silent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm trying to think of what I got, like, messaging-wise when I was a kid. I think it was the you're fine side of things. And now I really respond well when people say to me something like, tell me about that. Because it's, like, so what I didn't get. So I actually, like, I wonder if I have kids, if that, I wonder what I'll do. Like, I wonder, because those kind of feel like two separate camps, the, like, you're fine. And, like, tell me about that. And I wonder.
1: You can marry them. (laughs) I
0: wonder if I would just revert back to, like, you know, exactly how I was raised. Or if I would, you know, use my, I guess what you're, you can marry them. Uh, fine. You mean life can be gray? No, (laughs) we have to be one way and apply it to all situations.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, like, I, I, I think that if I hadn't become an actor or um, a comic or whatever, I think, I think sometimes that I would have become like a psychiatrist. Um, And uh, so I find myself trying to not like therapize my friends. You know, just because I go to therapy and, ha- and have the the language that I've copped from my therapist, you know, I try not to do that with my friends. But um, sometimes they need it,
0: you know. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes they need it. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till max fun drive. <laughs>
0: Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh,
1: nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on.
0: You were saying that that PSA was the first thing that people that you went to high school with saw, which is a very specific. I love that description because it's, yeah. it's like a very specific thing. And I think no matter what you do for a living there's a a real understanding of uh I don't know that feeling of the people you went to high school with seeing you now
1: yeah and feeling like you know for me anyway like Moving out here, I, I I didn't grow up around any artists. Um, I grew up around like you know lawyers who did community theater that kind of thing. But <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I did. Grew up That's doing literally
0: community. my dad. Really?
1: Way. Yes. What oh you my gosh. Described. Continue. Death of a salesman <laughs> with whatever your dad's name is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I didn't grow up with any people who were like you know I am an artist. So I think moving out here, I had a lot of um, insecurity about feeling like what I I was doing something that was valid and that I was you know doing something that was realistic and so I think commercials weirdly yeah, same, because of the, the like wide viewing of them felt like a way in which um you mm-hmm. know I could be like oh and and by the way like I'm doing fine out here mm-hmm. and now years later I feel like kind of relieved of that need to prove that I'm doing okay which is I think through my own growth or whatever or letting that go but um uh, yeah that's a weird part of it is like I'm not just being crazy out here I promise Hmm. to my parents what do they think they're cool now I mean they like they're so on board for everything I do in such a crazy way this Netflix show I'm on is a BDSM comedy and they've watched it they've watched it in like every language that it's dubbed in like they're like, your I German totally, language person is like a better actor than your Spanish language person. <laughs> I totally understand
0: this vibe. I I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, I was in a movie that got like a very wide release. Other than that, I've been like in indies, but I was in like uh, Gary Marshall's last movie before he died. Oh, yeah. So like Julia Roberts is in it and everything. So it's like in every movie theater. And my parents... Um, I think they. I think that they set like a meetup, and like thirty of their friends came. And my dad bought everyone popcorn, which he was really excited about. He like bought thirty popcorns and like handed them out yeah. as people came in. And they said that they there was one other woman in the, in the theater, theater. <laughs> and like I I'm in this movie like a bit, like I appear and disappear. Um, so I'm like in the whole movie, but it's not like I have like a shit ton of screen time or whatever. But just imagine this experience for this other woman who like is there's just like a, I'm like walking across the back and people are like, I you
1: know, know, like just
0: like, yeah, like I mean, it's so easy to be like
1: jaded out here about like, you know, oh, I'm doing this thing and who knows what it'll be. But it's like I think there is like a bit of mysticism to it to so much. There's, like, a mysticism to it, um, and it, it's, it's like, how our culture, like, communicates to, to itself. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it is cool. It's That was, yeah, I'll always be so grateful. It's that also just so cool also when that.
1: people can see what you've made.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's not like I um, made any sense for where I grew up. I really didn't make any sense for there. I think um, – You know, I mean, I guess my parents' friends and everything were mostly kind to me. But I just think I don't really know anybody else that I'm still, like, close with or know about. Um, Well, one other person who, like, grew up in this – you know, my parents have lived in the same house for this whole long time. It's like we know everybody in town kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know. And I don't really know anybody else who – like as you know whatever everything blonde, gay, these pants you know like I yeah. just don't <laughs> know anybody who is that and so I think you know even more it's not like that's why I'm excited that I was in that thing but it does kind of break my heart to think about all those people showing up to support this like total weirdo you know for that community.
1: Yeah that's cool yeah my family's like like my wider family's like that i think that something i um was always really afraid of was like i came out pretty young but then like did not come out to my extended family basically um that was there were like it, it was so compartmentalized like where i was out and where i was not for so long and so um once i actually moved out here i was like basically in and out in college to you know, anyone who cared to ask. But then when I moved out here, I started just like putting videos on YouTube and I they were all like, you know, me or like queer bent or like little sketches that were like, there's a guy who's like heartbroken about a guy, that type of stuff. And I remember going back to Christmas or Thanksgiving and like my Aunt Julie being like, I loved that one. And I was just like, I think I probably like came out to you through that video. And you saying that you loved that video is like, pretty meaningful and like kind of subtextually
0: yeah that's cool and also I mean I don't know what your family's like but if that was happening in my family then everybody would have known. like Everyone, I just mean you right. know like cause if I wasn't coming out to everybody but I put a video up and then one person they'd be you know
1: right calling they'd right. be on the horn right. about
0: it <laughs> with each other yeah I'm so. sure they
1: were all like on a group thread that I was just like unaware yeah, of yeah that's, that's potentially <laughs> true you know yeah
0: How does that, do you ever, that's actually really nice. Like as a setup for you, I mean, because I think we talk about the coming out process. Like it's like one conversation you have with your parents, but you know, it's something that happens for the rest of your life. You're like coming out to this executive or, or this coworker or this, you know, whatever, uh, person at the TSA for, like, some weird reason. Recently, I was going through the little thing, and they were like, pink or blue? I was going through the magnetometer, I think is what it's called, and I was like, what? And they were like, pink or blue? And I was like, what? I really (laughs) could not figure out what they were asking me. And then I realized that they were trying to even be, like, gender neutral, but ask me what, like, genitals they should scan Uh, for, which was, like, amazing. Wow. But but – but. that was a real fucking leap. I think they had to say wow. it like 23 times before I was like, oh, I think pink.
1: You know? like, <laughs> I think. God, well, what is the gender of color?
0: Yeah, exactly. but also just like, <laughs> a, you're, it's like six o'clock in the morning and someone's just yelling pink or blue at you and you're like, yeah. I don't even, why is this part of what this? What airport was that? I think it
1: was here. LAX, yeah. yeah. It sounds like, a, it, you probably wouldn't get that in like Dallas or oh, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're in like, the. it's just like, it's very interesting times we live in.
0: But anyway, I don't even know what I was saying before that. It it doesn't matter. But yes, yeah. Um, Oh, what I was saying was that you come out forever. One thing that can be very strange, I think, is coming out to extended family. Just because it's like, uh, there's a varying degree of closeness. Mm -hmm. Maybe you only do small talk with this person, you know, and then suddenly it's like, I'm going to have a very—
1: I'm going to tell you who I fuck.
0: Like, I'm going to—yeah, I'm going to tell you who I fuck, but also I'm going to have a conversation that, like, might make me cry. Yes. Because I'm stressed out about your—like, or whatever. It's just, like, a very emotionally wrought conversation, and we may never have one of these again, you know? I just feel like that's
1: a weird
0: part of it, too.
1: I feel like in some ways I've kind of like dodged those conversations through art.
0: Internet videos.
1: Yes. Right. <laughs> I, well, I refer to them as art. Yes, and, yes, um, yes, In many ways, they still are relevant pieces of art every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, it is like a weird thing. And it's also, like I did, you know, as we were saying, I did the Beat Kitchen when I was in Chicago just now. And people who, certain, like my, I had an aunt and uncle come who have never seen me do stand up. And I was just like, well, here I am, like laid bare for you. And my parents were there, but they've like kind of seen everything and are completely desensitized. But I'm always interested in, I feel very nice to be like, you know, where I am right now and be like, well, I am what I am and I'm bringing that to the table and you can sit at it or not. And, um, whereas I think, you know, a decade ago, uh, people's opinions, especially my families would have. it would be something that would be really wrought to me.
0: When you said you came out pretty young, what do you, what age?
1: Um, I was 13 or uh, 13. Yeah. And you, I was in seventh grade and then I kind of came out and then I was at this Catholic grade school and I kind of came out to like my class and then my, like I had a classmate tell their parent who told my principal who Called my parents, and so I was kind of like outed to my parents, and my parents kind of like sat me down, and were sort of like, "What's going on? Like, have you been telling everyone that you're gay?" And I was like, "Yes." And they were like, "Why are you doing that?" And I was like, "Cause I think I am." And my mom, kind of, she's has since expressed a lot of regret about this conversation, but um, she was basically like, "How do you know now? Have you ever kissed anybody?" And I was like, "No." And she was like, "Well." You know, why don't you wait and see and we'll just like couch this conversation. And in order to stay at your school, you need to stop telling people that. So I basically like went back in the closet for then like a couple years and then, you know, came out like slowly over the following years in high school.
0: The part about in order to stay at that school, you need to stop talking about it. So when you were at school, what was the context for when you were talking to your class about this?
1: Just, like, at, like, you know, people's birthday parties, like, at their houses and stuff like that.
0: So, like, you're off school grounds?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And you're saying—what are you saying to folks?
1: Um. I mean, in retrospect, like, everybody I went to school with, all the students were, like, so cool, you know, like— I don't know if that's generationally or whatever. But it, and also, these are people I'd been going to school with for like seven or eight years. Yeah. We were like this really tiny school. That, oh, how many kids? Um, when I was in seventh grade, I think there were like 16 of us.
0: Oh, my God. So, it was like a so really, it's a class of 16. Is, is really everybody small. invited to every birthday party? Yes. Yeah. Got it.
1: And it's kind of like the middle school kind of gets invited to everything. So there's maybe like 40 kids, but maybe you're only close to like, I think in seventh grade, I was like close with like a bunch of eighth grade girls. So you're going to these
0: parties and like are, what's the context that you're bringing this up? Like, are you saying it? Are folks asking you? Are folks like talking about crushes? Like what's uh, the vibe? People
1: are like talking about crushes and I'm like bringing it up, you know? And I think I had this crush on this actor who was in, the Prince in Me with Julia Stiles. I can't even remember his name. He was kind of like a Chad Michael Murray analog. Wow. Um, and I remember just being like, that's my crush. And then we went and saw that movie with like these, like the girls I was friends with. We all went and saw that wow. movie because I had a crush on it. And it was like
0: for you? For like me. they were yeah. having your back? Yes. You know, that's also, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me as, a safe framing because, especially with like a, a class that small or a school that small, it, it seems like I have no idea if you had a crush on somebody, but it seems like you probably couldn't say yeah. like that's my crush and Completely. like point at somebody it could at the not party, be anybody right? In the class. but it could be like you know,
1: and I was really person on the screen. I also was like you know filled with all that kind of like residual, um you know. Gay shame stuff where you just want everyone to think you're normal and not, you know, a creep or not like lecherous or like even as like a 13 year old. um, And, uh, you know, I'm not coming on to anyone who doesn't want me to. And I'm only interested in this cute actor in this movie and I'm very safe and yeah um, it's the particular
0: torture of like the locker room.
1: Right. You're doing like all of the emotional work for everyone right. at, or trying right, to right, at, right. at the and like succeeding with various um degrees. Uh but yeah.
0: I was in I was on the swim team when I was in high school, which is like I think for like a women's locker room, the only time as a young person that it's like old nude. Cause yeah. like, cause like a lot of women's locker room stuff is like weird switching of shirts with other shirts on underneath or like pants with other pants. Like there's a lot of like preventing nudity. I have no idea what it is like in a men's locker room, but I have seen movies and it mm. seems to be naked, but I don't know if yeah. that's true to life. <laughs> um, but- yeah.
1: I mean, it, I think it's a lot of that. And now, I mean, as an adult, it's just like, Old dudes. Yeah, out. <laughs> like
0: old, like once you older reach a folks, certain age, you like, don't care. Gym thing is different, but that like <laughs> very specific like younger person thing. Anyway, being in the swim team was so stressful because I, I didn't even know I was gay, but I would just be like, "This is very uncomfortable to right. be around this many like Sounds just like fully car- carry naked." Or something. Yes, the opening yes, of Carrie, or like the movie Porkies, if you've ever seen uh, that. Anyway, yeah. it, it's just it was like. Oh, uh, like, why is this happening to me? Like, I would I think I would like change in a stall or whatever in the bathroom. And then I'd come back in and people would just be like talking to each other or to me. Full eye contact. Yeah, it was all I was like what I just just tried to like not even blink, not even like just <laughs> like, don't look down. Like, if anything,
1: looking up at the ceiling. Um, I did swim team when I was a kid and I hated getting in the water. It was so cold. They keep those pools so cold.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's right. You're talking to an original (laughs) badass.
1: A real swim.
0: Yeah. That's. Well, anyway, so then I want to go back to this. um, So you coming out. So a student. Is like coming home. Okay, I'm recreating the story. A student's coming home from the party. They're telling their parents.
1: Right. So I think that like. I had a relationship with my parents where I didn't tell them anything, Uh you know, again, compartmentalization, just like these are, I had like nine different personalities. Um, And, um, you know, obviously there are people in their their teens who have parents who they tell everything to. And so somebody like that um, shared with their parents who. um, Were they sharing it from like a, oh, and, or was it like a freaked out place? I actually don't know. Could, yeah. have been, but could have been either. Um, um, yeah.
0: I'm just curious about that because I'm – and obviously, if you don't know, but I just didn't know if there was something where, like, you felt more, like, fine, you know, from your classmates. And then once the parents got involved or, like, the older
1: people got involved, then, like, now everything's a clusterfuck. Yeah. I think it just all of a sudden became really serious, you know. Oh, I think yeah. that, like, yeah. I had this idea in my head as, like, a middle schooler that – you know, I was just going to be, like, the fun gay friend. And that was going to – I had already, like, picked that identity, you know. And um, and then it so ended up not being that at all. <laughs> um, and, yeah, kind of a complicated way. But – Did was,
0: you ever have to talk to anybody at school about this?
1: Um, like, I know you said your teacher, parents no. did. Or,
0: mm-hmm. like, the principal.
1: No. Basically, like, I went away for summer – break, you know, we left school for summer break and then I like came back in eighth grade and I was just like, oh, and by the way, like I'm straight.
0: (laughs) Wow. Did you have to actively tell people that? Yeah. Or did you just like, did you just turn the volume all the way down? I turned the volume
1: all the way down and kind of like disseminated like, you know, some like straight information. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. Got a girlfriend. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. When you had this girlfriend and you were um, – what was going on inside of your head? Did you think the whole time like this is something I'm putting on or, or are you like – maybe mom is right and I don't know.
1: I think I probably like intellectually wanted it to be yeah. – to work, you know? Um, yeah. I need to go to like a memory some person and un- unearth all of that. But most of it's like pretty buried. mm. And only really ever comes up now, like, at podcasts. Oh, sure. <laughs> and sometimes when I... I've, like, occasionally talked about... It. I, You know, you have, like... As a comic, you know, everything is told for, like, comedic effect. And sometimes I'll, like, tell my coming out story and be like, I think what I'm sharing with you is trauma. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is that is that what you actually think about it? You think it is trauma?
1: And I think it was harder than I will allow myself to admit. But also, like, I never... I never felt like, I think that some of my fear was like, if I came out to my parents again later, like in high school, that like, I remember being in high school and having like contingency plans in case when I came out to them, I would have to go live with, you know, my like speech coach or something like that. Because I went to a big ca- a big public high school, um, which was like 500 kids. So it was kind of like this big adjustment from being like, big fish, small pond, just being like kind of anonymous in like a nice way. Um, and
0: uh, so did the anonymity mean you didn't have to
1: love Langston Kerman? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His name is on the desk right in front of me.
0: Yeah. Did you, did uh, that anonymity mean you, did you have a girlfriend in in high school?
1: I had one briefly. Yeah. For like two months who I, we started dating at Model UN. <laughs> And, and then, then she, other than that. And then she went away for the summer. Her name was Arpita. Mm. And we're still friends.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Other than that, were you seeing anybody?
1: I got a, I got a boyfriend at theater camp when I was in, between my junior and senior year of high school. And that was like my first boyfriend where and I was like obsessed with him. Did
0: that person continue to be your boyfriend during the school year?
1: For like a little bit. Yeah. He like lived in Chicago and we like I would, like, take the train in and stuff.
0: Did you tell people at school about it?
1: Um, I was on Facebook in a relationship. And that's it? And that was it. And people were, like, with who? And I was, like, if you're in – I think of my – I told my inner circle.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be so, – I can imagine that – I was playing, like, a real, really like, in-and-out
1: game of just, like –
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think that in some ways, like, there was I, – I was always, like, really um, – I'm much better about this now, but I used to really not like having to answer to, to my behavior or like answer to my question, like to questioning when people would be like, why do you do that? I'd be like, because I just do, you know, and, um, and I think that's because some of it, it was, I was just like splitting so hardcore. Like I just had so many different people that I was being. And so if somebody was questioning one of them, I was like, you probably see that I'm a fraud. And so I would get really defensive. Um, so yeah,
0: I had that experience too with coming out. The experience of uh, being different with different people. Like my first girlfriend, I had boyfriends and a girlfriend, and she was like a secret, and oh, they wow. were not really a secret. I had boyfriends at the same time. This, the is same not, time. this is not. This is not. This is not spaced out. Interesting. This is at the same time. Wow. I
1: was this in Chicago or in school? No, or yeah, I was
0: at. I was in college. And I was...
1: Was she also kind of, like, in on the secret? No. Did she know about the boys?
0: Well, it's hard to know. It's hard to, like, really... I don't know what happened. What I know definitely happened is that Sheena had slightly different experiences of coming out, um, which is something that she's told me because we're still in touch. And, like, for me at this Catholic college, like, where you could not come out, you could be kicked out of school for being gay... I took that on as like as like
1: wow. Well, then I like I didn't know that still existed.
0: Yeah, it changed in two thousand and five, the year after I graduated. But what I hear is that it's still a very difficult place to come out and be gay. But at the time I was there, you could be kicked out of fucking school. I'm from now, (laughs) right? You know, I mean, I mean, that's why what you're talking about from grade school doesn't surprise me because that's I feel like I had the same experience, just different because they're they're. um, but, I mean, when I told my parents, like, they, there was a really big negative reaction. They weren't sure if they were, should send me back to school. Like, it was all very, you know, so I said I would break up with her. I I just kept, and I liked, one of the guys I really liked and one of the guys um, ended up being, like, a huge problem in my life. But um, I just felt like. I felt like I wasn't even really doing anything. Well, I did feel really guilty. I felt like I was doing something wrong, but I did feel like I wasn't almost responsible for all the actions because I wasn't really truly there 100% any of the places that I was. Because when I was, like, with my girlfriend, I was, like, waiting to get busted by someone, you know? And then when I was with these guys, I was waiting for my girlfriend to find out and break up with me. And she was the only person that accepted me for being gay at a school of, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I didn't know anybody else who was, who was gay. So it was like this feeling
1: of... I majored in theater at Northwestern. So it was once I got to Northwestern, it was like you were oh, in everyone, the
0: clear. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was like, I'm gay, and everyone was like, and Cool, what else? yes, yeah. And what
0: then, like, was that adjustment like to uh, go from like all amazing. of that weird hiding? It was. What did it do for you?
1: Uh, it was it, it was amazing looking back. I mean, I don't I think I don't really like value it enough, I suppose, but or look think. M- I don't know people who like reminisce about college. I'm like get over it, um, yeah. but um, it was it was amazing. I, I I was able to, I think like fully enter into a space and kind of be a gay person, be a queer person, and um, and and then ha- and do comedy and and have it not be an issue or anything like that. And I think college was I. I I got my first like really close gay friends. Um, and um, I also got my really first close guy friends, like straight guy friends, which I loved in different ways where I was just like, I'm just one of the dudes now. like all through high school, I was basically had like this group of like super high functioning um like honor student girls, like basically this group of like 12 girls who I took every class with. and um you know, they're now all like doctors. And uh, and then I got to college, and it was like, oh, like I'm about to bro out right now. And I got, I, I like,
0: love that. Yeah,
1: I like you know, I did like sketch and improv, and like had you know, I'm like in my friend Matthew's wedding this fall, and like it's for like you know, it's like us dudes. It's just like I love that so improv much. bros, and it was cool, and and it, um, and I really liked sl- like slipping into that world.
0: I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've had anybody on the podcast talk about the freedom that like being out gave them to have male friends. Like that makes all the sense in the world to me. I just never thought about it before um, because I think like it might just be a little bit different, uh, Yeah. but that's, you know, I could imagine. It's like for everything you were just talking about, uh, you know, not wanting to get like busted or like, y- y- you know, like yeah. have be found out and stuff. Of course you're like, probably were a nervous wreck around dudes. Right. How could you have, made real friendships under those circumstances.
1: Completely. You know, it's like you're very like everything's coded and then all of a sudden like nothing's coded and you're like, oh okay, like these people most importantly think I'm funny. Yes. Which was like the best feeling. You're That's like, oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm like valued as like a funny person. You know, which is like kind of what you want.
0: God, I mean so I think what we've just learned is that uh being uh, openly queer at a time when it's safe for you can also help you find your straight community. Because
1: I like we are always trades at. I mean, that's I,
0: fucking real.
1: In LA, like I, you know, sometimes like get, you know, occasionally like a, if a weekend or two go, come by in a row, and I'm like, oh my god, I literally just hung, like went to gay bars with gay guys, like, or did stand up this whole week. I'm. I am like, where are my straights at? Like, (laughs) where are my, where, where's like a simpler world where like everyone's engaged and planning their wedding and, and, um, doesn't hate everything online. Quite honestly, we're we're with my gay friends where I'm like, are we, oh, we don't like anything. Okay. I'm going to go to my straight friends for a while and just talk about stuff I like.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I I had the best time talking to you and, um.
1: Yeah, this was so fun. Yeah, it was so really fun. and easy.
0: That's right. That's what we're trying to do, relax it out. And before I send you back into your day, do you, could you shout out a Queero, um, which is like a person, place, or thing that made you feel like you can be who you are today?
1: Okay, so I think because my, we were talking about my college experience, I I will say, I think the first time I was ever like really proud of being gay and felt like it was something I wanted to write about nonstop and read about nonstop was I saw Cleve Jones speak in college. Oh, that's and, amazing. Um, I remember I, the guy I was dating at the time. I I went with him to see him speak. And then I I had like missed a really important rehearsal for this play I was in. I think this was my sophomore year. And I remember I went to the rehearsal and my director was like, Brendan, like you, you missed rehearsal. And I remember being like... It was really important that I went to that and uh, I'll never forget it. And I still think about that speech. So that was like the first time I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like part of a history. So yeah, that's my queer of the day.
0: That's, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, thanks for yeah, having me. This was great.
1: Bye, everyone.